Hello, and welcome to the Ecstatic Rabbit Podcast, a space for esoteric exploration, heartfelt insight, and expansive curiosity. I'm your host and the founder of Ecstatic Rabbit Tarot and Coaching, Sarah Corbin Wolf. Today, I have lined up for you an amazing conversation, if I say so myself, between me and another wonderful Sarah from Blood, Bone, and Honey, who is a sumptuous presence in the world, in upstate New York, and on Instagram. This is another IG-only so far friend. Um, We have yet to meet in person, despite our best efforts, Um, but the day will come. The day will come. All right. Enjoy. We are here to chat about the body in a pretty um, specific way. And we're here to chat about the body in motion and how it can be part of and inform and in fact, perhaps even make up the entirety or a great portion of a spiritual practice, an embodied practice, a practice of self-actualization and of... um, growth. With that in mind, I'd love to know a little bit about you. Who are you? What's your deal? What do you do? Welcome. (laughs) Hello. Thank you for having me. Who am I? Um, My name is Sarah. (laughs) I'm known as many things. I'm quite the chameleon. Um, I wear many hats in this incarnation and am still uh, coming into an understanding of how to talk about that and uh, what that is and what that means. And I would say right now, I am a wife. I am a friend. I am a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a coach. I'm a mentor. I am uh, a devotee of body wisdom and I'm coming into my voice in a way that feels uh, in alignment with the massive paradigm shift we're moving through right now. And as we're moving through that shift, I'm listening very closely to um, the messages I'm receiving about how I can best be the hands and feet of God, God is source, spirit, the universe, the mycelium whatever network, humanity, uh, whatever network and frequency I'm tuning into in the moment. And it's been relayed to me so far as this this title that I'm still growing into, uh, which is higher self embodiment doula work, specifically supporting people in birthing a full spectrum, multidimensional experience of themselves where they understand that they are the bridge between heaven and earth as consciousnesses, as dimensions, as whatever way we want to relate to that. All of the different individuals that you're working with, of course, they're unique people. Are they also going each on a unique journey and you're kind of following their lead and how you help facilitate their process, their work, their play? Like a resounding yes. Everyone's reference point and starting point for when they come to work with me. Everyone's journey is different and also... As a practitioner and facilitator, there are 
rails and boundaries and pillars of the temple space. I think safe is such a charged word right now, but so that everyone can um, feel safe in whatever way that means for them to have this new experience of themselves and their power that they're now ready to access. Myself having kind of a coaching practice that has now really morphed into tarot study in a very cool way, like a very deep personal study of tarot. I have my container that I can offer. I have my pillars that I can uphold, but that doesn't mean that every individual is going to get the same experience from me. So we know each other through Instagram. I've been struggling to remember how I came across your account or who found whom. And like, it's been years now of following each other. I feel like we've both seen each other's like growth from this sort of like birthplace, which is super cool. One of the things that I think of when I think of your Instagram presence is just dance parties with yourself, with like your stories, with us, and also in group settings with other human beings, like actually in a space together. How does that fit into the doulaing that you're doing with clients, if you can share? This is a, this is a tender one for me because, well, I'm actually not going to say more. I'm going to let it come out tender. The way that that's showing up right now in this current expression, and there's been many ways this has shown up before in my professional life, like my very first job as a dance teacher, teaching creative movement to little kids. And um, I, that was very much so a part of so much of my early, early, what I like to call a mystery school on life training and expression of my own leadership. Um, and right now, the way that it's presenting itself uh, continues to be very experimental. When it comes to my individual clients, everyone's invitation and um, what ends up becoming a part of the ritual that they're being invited into at that time is so dependent on like, what their relationship is to their own body and movement at large. I have found that a devotional dance party, which is something I use with my clients, tends to be a really accessible way to invite people into uh, moving and celebrating in a way that's accessible. Like even if you've had a horrible experiences with parties and like going out and dancing publicly, um, we all like know like, oh, a dance party. We as humans have this innate ability to access joy and pleasure and fun. And so I like to start there not to bypass any um, pain or trauma in the body, but just to start with a reminder of like, you get to move your body and like, this is your body and you can move it any way that you want to move it. My main objective, aside from all of the trauma informed yoga training I've done and somatic art training and my lineage as a ballet dancer and a modern dancer and trained in Alexander technique and all this stuff is just like, we need to dance again and we need to breathe and we need to laugh. I, I, I have such a strong belief that we need to connect to this part of us that just knows how to be in relationship with body movement in a way that feels radically authentic and also profound. How profound the experience of moving your body, maybe after a lifetime of not being allowed to move. Maybe you're the first one in your lineage who's dancing again. Maybe starting to dance makes you want to just fall on the floor and ball your eyes out. I've certainly been in those moments in my life and my relationship to my own body and, and movement practice. So right now, in this current moment, as the world is cracking open, as we're all cracking open, as old identities are integrating as shadows are having light shown on them for the first time in millennia, I think that my invitation to people right now is just dance. 
I personally am so deep in my um, yoga training right now still for the last five years that I'm slowly dripping that in. Um, And I think that what continues to teach and inform the way I bring this into the space is literally how I used to teach the three-year-olds and the babies and what they needed and that we all need to just love our little toes and our fingers again. And remember that we have bellies and we can kind of shake them around. Like before this podcast, I was looking at myself in the garage window and I pulled my pants down really low and I was just like shaking and moving my belly and moving it around and just like, okay, yeah, this is it. This is why. Cause I have to constantly remind myself I'm not exempt to trauma that gets triggered around movement. Like that's why I do this work. I'm working, I've turned to, and I've been posting about this on my story a little bit. I've turned to um, Jewish feminine spiritualism, I think is the way to put it. And I'm reading this book on the Shekhinah, which is this um, entity that got very feminized by Kabbalah, but Kabbalah itself is super misogynistic. So I'm kind of like, okay, what's my way in? And I found this book and it's amazing. And one of the things that I'm reading through in the beginning is they, um, this rabbi who wrote it, she kind of goes through um the or like the bible like genesis and exodus and like the really the like the five books and goes digging through these stories and sort of reframes them right Mm. and one of the things that she brought forward that isn't really a reframe but just a reminder is that miriam in the desert for those 40 years right after after leaving egypt that moses and aaron and miriam these three siblings were in charge moses was the like connection to God, right? That prophet. Aaron was in charge of ceremony and Miriam was in charge of song and dance. Like Miriam was the one being like, we're gonna fucking party in the desert. Like Miriam was bringing this like old school Burning Man vibe to like the Israelites, right? And like the soul of embodied worship of song and dance, right? I thought that that was so fucking powerful. Humans need to move again, you know? So big stuff, big stuff. And like, I have my own dance baggage and like took an intro to Martha Graham technique class the other night and was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? So yes, (laughs) crying on the floor. (laughs) Crying on the floor. What is your childhood to now? Not that childhood has ended necessarily, right? uh-huh. but, but what is your, what has been your journey with moving your body? What has it meant to you at various stages of your life um, on your way to this position where you are now sort of passing that along forward around um, and helping others explore what it means for them? So I called my mom this morning because I was like, Mom, let's talk about my early days as a ballerina. (laughs) Movement was something I started three years old, wore the pink sock and the blue sock for the right foot and the left foot in ballet class, was in a circle of three-year-olds with our our little feet together and we were just butterflies, which I now know to be Baddha Konasana from yoga, but our, our teacher would take us to different lands while flapping our butterfly wings. We explored creativity through movement and our bodies. And um, my studio in particular put on uh, recitals twice a year. And the director of the studio was always very into like themes. But there was always like a fairy tale, a fairy tale and a storytelling element and choreography and um, costumes and the embodiment of the character. And I, in movement, 
um, and in my movement classes, um, was able to leave uh, my school in the white Christian South where I was too talkative, um, too disruptive, too loud, not right in all of the ways, neurodivergent and totally not diagnosed. I just didn't, I didn't fit the mold. And I actually, I mean, who fucking does? Nobody does. That's actually the big thing is like, actually nobody fits this. And like, that's what we need to talk about. So knowing that we'd probably hit this, I pulled this passage from um, one of my OG inspiring uh, texts, Women Who Run With The Wolves. Clarissa Pinkola Estes says, uh, like my kith and kin before me, I swagger staggered in high heels and I wore a dress and hat to church, but my fabulous tail often fell below my hemline and my ears twitched until my hat pitched at the very least down over both my eyes and sometimes clear across the room. And I feel like that just describes like the experience that I had in school and pretty much every other place except except when I was dancing. And that doesn't mean that I didn't experience that in my studio because I certainly did. I, my body was too big. My feet weren't right. I talked too much. Um, I had a hard time remembering choreography sometimes. I'm really heavy on my feet, which made me a great tap dancer and modern dancer. But when it came to ballet, I was too clunky and wrong in all the wrong places, you know? So that was very true. My liberation was found not within the dance studio because fuck, it was not found there. The moments where I would find liberation was in the actual movement. And I quite literally think that saved my life. Um, I think that knowing that I had a right to move, um, being given some, some skills and some techniques around this is how you can work with your pelvis. Your pelvis is actually this really heavy thing. Here are ways that you can move your body um, and have a pleasurable experience with it. And then the dichotomy of like, tuck your stomach, tuck your butt, uh, don't breathe, hold it all in, but also breathe because you're too red in the face. And like, you know, just the whole, the whole dance of that. So the movement itself was always so liberating. The spaces where it happened um, almost exclusively wasn't outside of the intimate relationships and bonds that I formed with my peers and fellow dancers and fellow actors. And then when I got in my in my young 20s, um, I guess this part of the story has to be told because it's just what the fuck happened. Um, I started dating um, someone who was incredibly abusive and uh told me in no uncertain terms that um, the kind of work that I wanted to do as an actor and a dancer was selfish and it wasn't actually serving people. And um, I had initially gone to Savannah College of Art and Design to major in performing arts, minor in dance. And I ended up switching my major to photography on top of his abusive um impulse to control and dominate me as an expression of his own abuse that he survived, bless his soul, and may he find the healing that he needs. Um, I also, at the time, was really fucking over starving myself and uh, feeling wrong, just wrong with a period. Like <laughs> nothing else but just wrong. Cue my switch to photography. I've been doing photography in the dark room since I was like 12 years old. So the switch to the major wasn't like this new thing. It was like, oh, this other thing. I kept dancing um, through uh, college, didn't get, uh, uh, I didn't end up finishing my minor in dance. And then I went to grad school. I went to uh, Duke 
to get my Master of Fine Arts in Experimental and Documentary Arts. And it was a, a very interdisciplinary program with a lot of space and small, small, small cohort. So it was 2015, pre-Me Too, pre-Trump, pre-like we're on Instagram and TikTok shaking our ass. The, the program was really, really supportive of us just making whatever fucking work we needed to make. And I really had some incredibly supportive teachers there who I'm so grateful for. And they basically just encouraged encouraged me to, to tell my story and that it was valid for me to make diaristic art and talk about my experience and that, in fact, I'm in a lineage of folks that have come before me doing this kind of work. Um, and so I just started and I started telling my story the way I knew how and that came through my body in many ways. It also came through, um, I did a breastfeeding project where I went and photographed women and um, chest feeding people across uh, the Southeast and their experience. Um, with breastfeeding and chest feeding and mothering and parenting. And through that study um, of the body and in these random people's homes, like photographing them and being with their bodies and their babies and their stories and their stuff and just like all of it, I fell in love with like oh, what happens when we like take the masks off? Like what are, what, what stories do we tell when something doesn't have to look or be a certain way and it's just this human in this body having this experience and like how that is also movement. And I fell in love with like telling people to just tilt their head slightly to the right and like lift their chin and open their chest and take a deep breath. And the work that I do now, this, this connection to the body while speaking this connection to the body and like what's happening with the arms, what's happening with the heart. Is your jaw relaxed? Are you in your belly? Um, can you feel your feet and your legs while you're talking? Like that has become my interest now. And it's kind of, I don't know if I've ever told, I've definitely never told the evolution of it this way, but that's kind of my journey from this, like in the tutu, that's a little too small in point shoes, like doing my best to hit the grand jeté to like just falling in love with like um, inviting people to drop their shoulders and relax their jaw but also into like dancing around and shaking their arms and sticking out their tongue and making a sound and growling again. And, and yeah, so, so that's the journey. <laughs> where, where, at what point, if you can find it, mm -hmm. Where, when, how did the intersection arrive to you or happen um, between your very human experience of your body in and out of dance studio, in and out of movement, but your experience of the body mm. corresponding with or intersecting with um, your experience of, of, for lack of a better term today, spirit? Mm, I don't remember a time when I wasn't in communion with something. I, at a very, very young age, was having to resource something other than myself, which I'm currently unpacking and processing a lot of grief around that. And when I started to get honest with myself about like what it is I'd actually lived through, 
I started to have a more whole experience of myself versus this fragmented experience of self that I had only through the reference point of what had been projected onto me my whole life, um, which is everything from like the Magdalene horror archetype to the like, well, that was mostly it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. That was the one that was pretty much always it, um, which like bless up, I own that. Um, but also like that was, it was deeply traumatic. When I started making art about it, when I started, when I dropped the fucking dance classes and I started just like exploring movement in my body, in my studio apartment, it was it was then that I I started to have not only this, experience of like, oh, I feel connected to something larger. Um, but I started to bring that experience into my body and understood that like, I was the path and I was the key and I was the chalice and I was the temple and I was the prayer and like, oh, okay, this, this is maybe what it means to start exploring the spiritual and the sacred. We have to do this in body. Healing happens embodied. It can't happen divorced from the body. That became my access point to the reclamation of um, my experience of principles of creativity and flow and pleasure and um, also chaos and wildness and unfurled and unleashed through my own body, through making art about my experience, through facilitating space where I was photographing through even watching people on social media at that time, starting to explore some of the areas that I was interested in. I started to have an experience of the spiritual in my body and no coincidence going into my yoga practice at that time and starting to explore movement in a way separate from ballet, tap, jazz, modern, going into my yoga practice was profound. Um, not because I was doing a bunch of chaturangas, but because my teacher, Nina B, she was talking about movement having the capacity to facilitate a healing experience that happens on a somatic level um, and on a neurological level and on a biological level, on a physiological level, on a spiritual level. And it just like cracked my world open. I like had to, I had to go in by myself I've always felt like a witch. The, the witch has been an archetype, a term, an embodiment, a point of reference, an identity that's both been used to liberate and oppress. This is really fucking interesting. You'll find me here. And I continue to just like hang there and listen to my next directions from my higher self and spirit. <laughs> amazing. That was, that was so... <laughs> That's a bigger question than I think I even realized it was. And I thank you for everything that you shared. I think that that is, that covers so many of my follow-up questions and I'm just enamored. So thank you. Awesome. 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 If someone here is listening and is like really vibing with what you're saying here and maybe resonates with some of your story, but doesn't really know where to start, mm. can you offer sort of a a first one to three steps into um, softening into a devotional dance movement embodiment practice? Mm. Put on the song that lights up your soul and just start moving and make sure that you breathe and be really, really kind 
and patient with yourself. And if emotion as energy in motion rises in the body, um, let it be, let it come up, let it come out. Um, you are safe to be with yourself. Um, you have a right to um, develop a relationship with your body and uh, your physical body, your emotional body, your energetic bodies. And um, slow and steady really is the way to go with this kind of work. Um, and the propensity to want to rush uh, and push will be there because that's how we've been conditioned and programmed to do it. Also get out in the woods and journal for some reason is coming up and maybe just like scream like those are some other things like get on top of a mountain or a hill and just shout like let the voice be a part of the movement like if a sob wants to come up while you're dancing which happens for me all the time let the sob come up and out and move your body while you do it and and don't be scared to look crazy in quotation marks and also question who um who gave you the definition of what crazy is and and really examine that before you call something that there's this phrase that shows up in home goods, wall decor, <laughs> dance like nobody's watching, right? Which like, yes, absolutely. Fundamentally cliche for a reason. I want to talk a little about um, the visibility that you bring. What is the difference for you when you are having a devotional dance party by yourself on your own um, and when you are putting that visibly into the world for your followers to see on your stories or in a reel or in a post, whatever it might be. What is different in your embodied experience of those two experiences? In my personal practice, whenever I the camera is off and it's just me and me, which is one of my favorite places to hang out, it's like, what's of service to me right now? And all of the parts of me, as my one of my teachers, Nina says, um, uh, what committee members are at the table right now and who needs what? And recently for me, it's been the, it's been the like cry of the infant, as my teacher uh, Des would say, like this sort of um, demand to be felt and held and loved in order to be integrated. So when I'm in my own practice, my, my question is like, how can I be in service to these parts of me right now? I then also have a practice of sending love and energy and um, light and prayers up and out to my community, always blessing all beings and prayer around my clients and um, their work. I guess this is where kind of the personal hybrids into the professional as it does for those of us who are like at this kind of intersection of doing this kind of work. Um, but I, I guess to just synthesize that in my personal practice, it's like, how can I bless my own being right now? And how can I bless other beings in the world in a way that's that just feels authentic to me? And then when it comes to blood, bone, and honey and my community space and showing up in service there, I didn't always, I don't know if I always consciously asked myself this. And I think that's just me being honest because I wasn't always 
coaching, mentoring. It was just blood, bone and honey before it was blood, bone and honey was just Sarah Elizabeth Borst, which is my maiden name. And it was just my art and it was my story and my experience. And blood, bone and honey has shifted. Now it is a community space and um, a temple space and a platform in its own right. And um, one of the first doorways that people walk through when they enter into working with me. And so when it comes to social media, I really am asking myself and have been asking myself, how can I be in service to the people that are here? What would what would be of service to share right now? And sometimes my ego says something really different than my heart. And uh, sussing out uh, uh, th- those directions and where those directions are coming from became one of my portals of interest into like, oh, what is it to explore the higher self? What is it to explore this aspect of our of the infinite consciousness of divine love. Like, what is it to hang there? And so does this feel like nutrients? Am I serving nutrients? And I also think that that can also be a question that keeps you from serving anything because then there's a lot of, uh, I I overthink shit, period, just point blank, period. I am an overthinker. <laughs> and so um, there's a really, there's a dance I'm doing right now um, with that question and really asking myself in my integrity, um, what does service look like right now? I'm like, who and how do I want to be inside of this, can, this social media expression? And that's just something I'm always asking myself. What is actually of service right now? Cool. And I realize that we haven't really introduced Blood, Bone, and Honey. Um, can, you, can you elevator pitch that? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been good at elevator pitches. I'm not sure if I ever will be. It's overrated. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so overrated. The prayer is different every day. Uh, today, the prayer of Blood, Bone, and Honey, my temple space of a business, is to be able to facilitate an experience for people to have an authentic experience of themselves, explore their humanity, explore their divinity, explore their spirituality, explore what it feels like to reconnect to their body and their power and their story, explore the gifts that they're here to share with the world. I love working with heart-based leaders um, and I work with a lot of practitioners and people who have big missions to birth onto this planet, lots of light workers and shadow integrators. Um, and so that's really what Blood, Bone and Honey is right now. And um, I've, through the years, done community stuff and then done a lot of one-on-one stuff and then done the community stuff and done both at once. And right now I am, um, I have a couple of spaces open in private mentorship. I do have a private mentorship program where I work with people and that is really where my, my energy and my time is going right now. I'm building out, um, a resource library for, uh, what we call holy homework in the blood, bone and honey mentorship space. Um, after every session, my clients get customized holy homework to support them in integrating and being in their practice and um, exploring whatever is there to be explored. And so I am creating a library right now of just like all of these practices that, you know, I've been doing, sharing, facilitating since like 17 in the dance studio teaching the three-year-olds, you know? So um, that's, that's where Blood, Bone, and Honey is now. And I've, I've done group mentorship and group spaces, and that is something that will always be a part of the ministry of my work. And I'm in a moment right now where I'm deciding, I've got a couple of online courses, I got a couple of retreats I've done, a couple of masterclasses, like, 
what happens next? Where do I want to take this in the wild, wild west of the digital online course space? And also like, how do I want to facilitate more things in person as the world continues to shift? As I'm getting clear about the community offerings that are in highest service to um, birth and offer into the world next, uh, something I'm really considering and have been uh, conjuring in the honeypot, um, our community um I don't want to say dance classes, um, but spaces where we can come explore um, movement, um, visualization, breath work, um, journaling, um, and sacred conversation together in Coventry. Um, as it stands, um, I've toyed around with the idea of naming it the Devotional Dance Coven. I think it's uh, perfectly fitting for um, the kind of things I'm interested in facilitating. Um, so whether that be something that, um, you know, is some kind of membership based thing, or it's just something I start exploring and offering, I'm not sure yet. Um, I've got my ear and my heart to the ground right now, just listening, uh, to what's in highest service to offer next. And also what would bring me pleasure as a facilitator? Cause let us not forget that, like, it's so important for us to have a good experience of our work and to feel fed and nourished and in pleasure and play and stoked. So that's Blood, Bone, and Honey now. <laughs> My last question is the top three question, the hardest. Um, can you share your, like, top three of all time? Or if that's too hard, like, top three of this moment, um, either musicians or specific songs, um, that you turn to or are currently turning to for your devotional practice? Mm. I have a I have a deep, deep, deep relationship with Abba. <laughs> I really, really love Abba. It just gets me every time. My dad had an Abba CD when I was growing up, and I pretty much listened to it like nonstop. So <laughs> that's one. Um, and then gosh, I mean, there's been so many. Uh, there's been so music is such an important part of my practice. Like I am known to make a damn good playlist. And that's something I also do for my clients a lot. I'm always like sending them playlists and, uh, facilitating and curating different playlists for different kinds of movement experiences or ritual experiences. Like, are you trying to get grounded? Are you trying to get like inspired and light yourself up? Like what's happening? Last year, I really fell in love with beautiful chorus. I feel like I was super late to the party on that one. Highly recommend looking at beautiful chorus. They just have, they have so many amazing songs for just like, like movement meditation um, and like movement as a prayer. Um, if when you want to like slow it down, take it in, like connect to your heart, connect to the earth. Donna Summer. Donna Summer is just like always, like I have had like so many psychedelic experiences walking down uh, the streets of wherever I happen to be living at that time. I'm specifically thinking of this one time in Brooklyn and I was listening to um, I Feel Love just like blasting in my headphones uh, by Donna Summer and I kept seeing like hearts on the sidewalk and like eyes on doors and like messages on walls and it was just like it could have it felt like it just went on for hours just this moment this prayer with donna summer and it is love so i like any music that um feels like a disco in heaven fantastic all right <laughs> where can people find you where should they follow you what's what's the deal if they just want more yes um 
at blood bone and honey on Instagram and then um, www.bloodboneandhoney.com. Those are the only two places, no Twitter, no YouTube. <laughs> I, I think I have a Facebook business page, but like who knows what's happening with that. Um, so those are the two main places. I also um, run an experimental textile studio called Sunblood um, with my dear friend Geraldine of Suntrap Botanical. And we're just on Instagram at sunblood and the two O's are zeros, not the letter O. And that'll be in the show notes for everyone who wants to check that out. All right, Sarah, thank you so much. This was the most wonderful experience. I am honored to have watched so much of the inception of your biz and and, um, that you joined me today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you for your brilliance and the way that you facilitate space and ask the questions that need to be asked both on this podcast and just out in the world in your beautiful work. I'm so grateful. Um, And thank you to everyone who tuned in to listen. I love you. 